Painted Arrow Podcast, committed to taking you beyond the pursuit. Howdy and welcome. Uh, this is part two of our Wyoming Mule Deer 2021 general season hunting experience. The first episode that we did was kind of our expectations, our mindset going in, some of the questions that we had, uh, lots of the, you know, before the hunt type conversation. If you're interested in that, go check that out. This is going to be a pretty awesome podcast. Um, For sure. For anyone who is looking to really learn or as a beginner or is on their way to currently um, go hunt mule deer in the state of Wyoming. So we we hunted a general season tag, Region L, and we're going to tell you a lot about the type of country we're hunting. We're not going to necessarily tell you the specific areas we were hunting just because that wouldn't make any sense. But... Um, just to come right out and say it, we were not successful in the aspect of bringing home a deer, coming home with meat. Right. We both had tags. Um, we hunted together most of the time, and uh, the the thing that I think is real interesting about the, the style of hunting that we're doing, it, it doesn't interest me personally, and I don't want to offend anybody when I say this, but like me personally as a hunter. Like it is when when I go out of state to hunt, I mean there's there's so many there's so many different variables that have to kind of align for somebody to go out west and hunt or travel to hunt. You know you got to get the time off, you got to do all those things, right? You got to get the permission from the wife. You got to make sure your your schedule's clear. There's a lot of things that need to be lined up, and lots of people go and they'll and they'll hire an outfitter, they'll hire a guide, and that does that does a lot in terms of putting you in the right area, right? Yeah. Putting you on game, putting you in the, in the right spot at the right time and kind of taking a lot of the guesswork out. And again, me personally, everything that I've ever done, there's a few exceptions, but like most, all of my hunts, I like to do them DIY, like completely yep. figured out yourself because for some reason it just it wouldn't sit well with me if I go out, I pay a bunch of money, which I don't really have. It's, it's another part of it. But you go out and you pay money to have somebody put you on the game and you go in there and you shoot the deer or the elk or the bear or whatever and you come, you come back really not knowing much about the movement, the patterns, the habits, the time of year, all the things that go into understanding game and this hunt is a great example like there's so much to be learned from what we're about to talk about and i just think that mentioning that like we we are so content coming home empty-handed like for example i hunted elk for three years in the state of colorado before i finally got my first bull yeah and i i would not have it any other way because i hunted that elk I understood it. I, I did it all myself, and I, I have so much more knowledge than I would have if I would have just gone out and, you know, basically paid to have somebody put do all you the on work the for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I mean. And there's two sides to that, but go ahead. There is. Like, and, and to be clear, uh, we're, we're not trying to offend anybody w- with that. But, I mean, 
in general, when you go the DIY route, you really, really have to learn. The learning curve is way steeper because you're learning, especially if it's a new species for you hunting in terms of like, like this is our first time hunting mule deer. It's also our first time hunting in Wyoming. And it's also our first time hunting in that part of Wyoming. So there's, I mean, right there, the odds are stacked against you. And if you go into these hunts with the, um, with the mentality that says, if I come home empty handed, that's a failure. And if I come home with meat, that's a success. If it's that simple, um, in a lot of cases on these hunts, if you're going to go the DIY route, you're going to come home empty-handed and, and as a yeah. failure, if that's how you're going to define it. But, you know, I think we both had the approach all week of, you know, we want to go out here and we want to test our ability to hunt. Like, as, as sportsmen, as hunters, we want to test our ability to to learn these deer, to learn the terrain, and try to get on, on deer. Yeah. And um, kind of like your experience, like you were saying with elk, I mean – Unless you go do it, unless you go out there and you experience all those things, you know, you can listen to all the podcasts in the world and watch all the stuff on YouTube, but until you go do it and try to, like, actually try, yes, it, you just, it, you won't, you don't understand. Yeah. And the only way around that, like you're saying, is, is to hire a guide that's going to, you know, say, hey, we've been watching this herd of elk for several weeks that's job. They're, yeah. they're sleep you know they, they bed on this hillside and then they, they work down into this basin we're going to set up here i mean that if you did a doi hunt you might you may spend three to four days just trying to find the elk that they can put you on on day one right so so that's kind of where, where we're coming from is we we went with very diy approach we went in trying to even learn and understand how mule deer work and then you know i guess intermingle intermingle that with like entirely new ground there we we said we don't want to offend anyone we don't want to offend anyone like there's something that i i get such a pleasure from like the thought of if you just put me here just just anywhere in the world just put me here and you said there is a you know you just give me a species give me give me a species an elk you put me in wisconsin let's say they had an elk herd okay. that's a bad that's a bad example that's a really bad let's example let's go like uh idaho Idaho, you said elk, you just put me somewhere. I really get off on having the ability to know that I can go in and hunt an animal without knowing anything about it. Yeah. And you have to you have to really dissect that animal, that species. Mm-hmm. Like that that's what I I, I love that. That's yeah. that's what I'm after. That 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 is exactly what I'm after. I I don't I don't want to have those those notions coming home feeling like I didn't earn yeah, earn yeah, my yeah. meat. That, that, that's that's what is specifically for me. That's what I am after. And that's for you. I mean, to be clear, that's uh, it's different for everybody. So again, you know, whatever whatever it is that that you enjoy, do that. But uh, for us, it's the it's the sh- hardcore DIY. Go figure it out. But with that comes a lot of <laughs> failures and quote unquote failures and uh, struggles because the learning curve is just almost always really really steep. So if you're listening and you're you're going to do an out of state hunt over the counter or you just draw you know, just drew a tag and it's it's for mule deer and you've done your research, you've done all the things that we talked about in the first podcast, like we're going to dissect the things that we saw on each day mm-hmm. right now, um, to kinda help you 
be more successful, to get you ahead of the game because it, it took us a long time. And you're still going to, after listening to this, you're still going to go there and you're going to struggle just like us if you're in that position. But um, let's talk about day one, Dev. All right, day one. Well, let's start with day zero. So we, we were rolling into town. We were trying to get in town in time to do – we were going to get in town the day, the evening before the season. Correct. Season opened, uh, what was it, Friday. So we were coming in Thursday night. We were hoping to – we were just driving to a, a spot that we picked out on the map. We were hoping to get in there, do some glassing, and try to, you know, come up with some sort of strategy for the morning. Long story short, we got into that area a little later than we wanted to, and – we ended up basically parking off of a, you know, back off of a BLM piece. We did a little driving around that evening, but it didn't really, you know, turn up much knowledge other than that there was a bunch of deer in town, like right in these people's backyards, living like on the private land. That was really what we noticed when we get when we got in town there. And then um, on our way out <coughs> to the grounds of hunting, where we right, were going. right. So we were seeing all these deer, and we were like, "Wow, we're in them! Like this is going to be interesting." Then we get out into the, I think it was a, it was at higher elevation, but it was a, a chunk of national. Oh, we're missing forest. one thing. So like as we were driving in, um, we saw really nice buck. Yeah, a real um, nice mule deer buck. With this, this is before we even got to town. So like our, our thought process was, we got to fuel up. We're gonna go out, and, you know, out in the mountains for a little while. And we saw before we even got to the town, we saw probably 160 inch mule deer. Yeah. With a, with a bunch of does down in a creek. a bunch of does, like walking through a river, yep. like walking in the middle of it. Then we get to town, and then we're seeing all these deer on the way out. Yeah, and so we're seeing all these deer right in town. It was, it was, I guess, it was a little, was a little odd for me right right at the beginning. But um, so then we get up into this this section of the national forest again. Lights fading. We're just trying to s- scope out some things, figure out where we're going to hunt in the morning for the opener. We're driving all around. We're up at really high elevation. Um, didn't see a ton of deer sign, glassed up a few, a few mule deer, but again, like they seemed to, uh, little onesie twosies and most of them were coming right off of private, private land. And, um, long story short, we ended up, uh, pulling out of there. Basically, we didn't think the sign was that great up that high. So we went down to what we thought at the time was uh, a good chunk of foothills type stuff, really rolling stuff, a lot of sage and we basically parked back off of a chunk of BLM, which is Bureau of Land Management, if you don't know. Um, we had to call to get that information on the BLM land to find out if you're allowed to hunt. I mean, we knew we were allowed to hunt there, but if you could camp there, they confirmed that we can camp on BLM property. So we, we pulled back off on some BLM and camped there for the night, kind of within walking distance of this ridge that we, again, we didn't lay eyes on it the night before. We picked... It got dark when we were up in the mountains. We came back down to lower elevation, picked a spot on on X on the map, and said we're going to hike to this point in the dark and, and we're going to glass that canyon in the morning. Correct. And uh, so we slept in the truck that night. And what, what were your fo- what were your thoughts that first morning? So we woke up, we're getting ready, we're just walking. What what are your thoughts right there? Like what were you thinking? I I didn't. I guess I didn't know what to think because again we drove into that part in the dark, so I had no idea what we were about to see. And we got up there, and we, we get all sat down, and, and, again, it's getting light right as you're sitting there, and it's like, whoa. And we had uh, it was just like this big canyon with a, with a river kind of in the bottom of it, a little creek in the bottom of it, and we were thinking, well, maybe they'll be feeding through here. Um, 
Yeah. This is this is opening morning. This is opening morning of of rifle mule deer season, and I guess the other thing we should mention is it's the opening morning for us as non-residents, but also the residents. Right. Correct. So like everybody, it's a Friday Friday morning is the rifle opener for that you know for that area for everybody. So as we were as we were walking up, we had two or three trucks pass us on this county road. And once we got to our glassing tip, there was more cars kind of piling in the area. And yeah. The first thing, the first couple of things like as the sun's coming up, the things that I'm noticing as we're glassing like if if you're from the Midwest and or maybe out east and you're used to like a typical whitetail hunt on opening day, if you've ever experienced that, it's it's quite a wonderful thing, but specifically where we're from in Michigan, the opening day on November 15th every year, it's on November 15th. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like the 4th of July. I mean, yeah. You you always, I mean, you, you can almost like bet that there's going to be a shot that shouldn't be shot. Before, way before light yeah like just it's just it's just like a thing like people get all excited about opening day they get the guns out they're knocking the rust off they're inside of the barrel and they're they're shooting we didn't hear any shots zero gunshots nothing opening morning and there's trucks all Everywhere. over i mean in the dark you can see lights all across the, the, the country even even a, just everywhere yep nothing no, no shots at all. We sat there for a while, probably for, it wasn't that long, probably 30, 40 minutes, glass and first that, light. Yeah. I, I don't think we, at like, in that moment realized how shocking it was that we weren't hearing any gunshots. We kind of blamed it on this is really big country. We're probably not hearing it. Yeah. We didn't know. Um, Like nothing. Not a single, not a single bam. Right. And so, and we didn't. Needless to say, we didn't we didn't glass up any deer that morning. So we qu- we quickly saw <laughs> we quickly saw that the, the the technique by the locals was to drive around slowly on these roads in glass hills. Yeah, I was curious when you wanted to get into that. So basically, the and we'll touch on this multiple times through the podcast. But the narrative, like all of the locals, either by UTV or truck, they drive all of these roads through any chunk of ground that motorized vehicles are allowed and they just drive and glass drive and glass drive and glass and if they see one they get out and shoot it they like that's the th- that that is the thing like we it. saw hundreds of trucks chucked full of five and six people with orange hats on this weekend or this you know this week um like it was there, there was just trucks full of hunters everywhere and that's all they did was just drive dirt roads drive these little access paths Any, anywhere where motorized vehicles were allowed they're driving and glassing that's how they hunt yep that was the that was the strategy you, you we didn't hardly see anyone in the field throughout the week in terms of like two two people yeah and that was we'll get to that but it wouldn't where we saw them it made sense more so than anywhere else but like in the mountains were hundreds of cars and trucks and utvs and atvs and kubotas and all sorts of Gasoline powered engines and diesel powered engines. Yeah, Polaris's and just going just right through the right through the middle of great hunting country. Yep. People all just packed in the back, guns guns ready to go. That that's the hunting strategy for them. So if you're listening, understand that. Yeah, and that that for our experience, that was specifically with 
actually, let me let me pause. So, wild if if you're looking to go hunt wilderness area and you're a non-resident, you have to be accompanied by a guide or somebody else who's from the state. That's correct. So we were not able to hunt wilderness area, which left for us a section of national forest that was not deemed wilderness area, BLM, which is Bureau of Land Management property, and then uh, state la- state state land. owned. Yep, state land. So those are the three options that we were kind of looking at all week. And if you turn on your layers on Onyx, you'll, you'll see all that. Use painted arrow as a promo code, and you get twenty percent off. Quick Onyx. plug. Quick plug. Always. Yeah. Um, and so these hunters were 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 using this tactic specifically on BLM because there were there were maintained roads and paths that cut through the middle of all the BLM land, and then the national forest the same thing there was trails that were cut all the way through all the national forest and so where we were seeing all these hunters um in their trucks and in their you know their little uh side by sides and everything quads was on blm and and uh and national forest so we we took a big veer but we're basically filling in all the details after we after we glassed that first morning we jumped in the truck and we basically followed suit yeah, because we were like, okay, we didn't get much gas, gl- uh, glassing or scouting in at all yesterday because we got into town so late. Yep. So we we kind of decided, like, man, I I want to get on our feet and go find these deer, but until we can get some sort of scouting and intel into how this place works, like, where do you even go walk? Yep. So we kind of. I mean, we're talking huge, huge, just rolling big country. Open country. I mean, definitely the lower. Uh, type terrain the first morning we were we were not up in the mountains we were in the the foothills you could call them yeah and so we kind of let that first day or we said we were going to let that first day be scouting like we're just going to drive around you know if we see a deer well yeah we'll go hunt it but um we need we need to cover some ground with the truck here with the multiple different units that we have the ability to hunt and and try to try to figure out what what we're going to do i mean that to me that was the biggest thing with this general season tag, it gave us the ability to hunt five different units, which as a first-time mule deer hunter and a first-time hunter of, of a tag like that where your tag gives you, you know, all of those different options, I I felt it causing me to be very indecisive. Like, I, I didn't know. There were way too many options. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I didn't know where to go, where to start, nothing. Um. So that I guess that's a, a quick note, you know. As as a first time mule deer hunter, that was that's where my head was at. I was like, man, like it, I could I could spend an entire week just dissecting one of these units, and there's five of them. Yeah, thousands and thousands and thousands, probably millions of acres. So, like, it was just that 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 to me was a little difficult to to navigate, I guess. So we jumped in the truck, and the, I guess the the first morning we ended up seeing. Um, I don't know, a couple does and a fork buck, kind of right on the edge of some private. Yeah. Um, and that w- that was it for the first morning. We ended up driving around, glassing some hills with some other trucks, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of following suit, like you said. And we ended up seeing these deer, probably, I don't know, six or seven deer, all right near private, like just right on the border. Like Skirting the edge of it. Right yeah. on the border. So that was the first morning. First first evening, uh, where were we at, Dev? Help me out here. First evening we were up top, remember? The um, that was the night that we had we had the guy in the the truck come by and, and tell us about uh, 
walking the deer out. Oh, yeah. So we ended up completely switching. We went switched units. We saw those deer in private. Then we went up into the mountains. Yep. A little bit higher elevation, much more rugged, rocky terrain. And we were on these these two-track roads kind of just slowly driving. And we stopped to get um, a bite to eat. And the local uh, drives up on a trail. And he, he basically said, you know, sparing the time here. Basically, what we do is we walk them out. We basically walk in through the, the thick, you know, cover. And we push them out. And we saw a couple over here the other day. He kind of gave us a little bit of a something to think about, basically. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know about you, but I wasn't completely – I mean, I didn't take what he said as, like, gospel. Not gospel, but, but I'm like, okay, well, there's got to be something to it maybe. Yeah. Like I mean, he, he's, he's, he's local. Here. Yeah. So we, we had that in the back of our hat there, and um, we ended up doing a, a really nice walkabout. Yeah, not, not quite a walk-em-out or a deer drive or anything, but we we basically just – We covered country and glass, basically. Yeah, just the, walk around in glass, walk around in glass. Mm-hmm. And um, was that first morning when we saw that bull, or first evening? Yeah, yeah. So tell me about that. That was pretty incredible. So we, after having this encounter with this gentleman and having him tell us to, to walk him out, we were like, okay, well, I don't know how, if you just walk through this brush, I don't know how we're going to blow deer out and get a shot at him. So that's when we decided, okay, we're going to go, we're we're gonna gonna go put hunt. some miles on, but we're going to slow hunt. We're going to walk through the timber. We're going to creep a little at a time, do some glass, and just try to be aware we put some miles on uh, with that approach, which would be the afternoon leading into the evening of day one. Yep, day one. And, you know, we're paying mind to the wind. Um, we don't know where the deer are necessarily, but the route that we're taking, whether In the wind. R- regardless of what the, the game animal is, we're paying mind to which way the wind's coming, thinking that, you know, where something might be bedded, right? Yep. Um, so we're, we're slow hunting our way through the timber. And long story short, we're, um, like I said, keeping the wind in our favor. And we come off the top of this little ridge, and right down below us, um, <laughs> we saw a really, really good bull elk. Well, yeah, we stuck like, right up on it. Like a, like a trophy bull elk. The, the wind was probably coming 15 miles an hour. And straight up in our face, and he was down below us. We, we kind of, again, we were completely playing the wind, walking straight into the wind, and that was our strategy, and... We just got right on top of this bull, probably 35 yards when we first saw him. Maybe a little further than that. Maybe it's like 45 or 50 yards. But, um, you know, I, was, I think I was like, dab, dab, big bull, big bull. Yeah. And you get the camera out, and we start filming this bull, and he kind of feeds off. And then I was just like, you want to try and sneak up on this bull and just see how close we can get? Yeah, let's test our uh, <laughs> our stalking skills here. So Devin's got the camera, and oh yeah, we're passing the camera back and forth. Like, I mean – just creeping creeping but there's just all this sage and brush and crap in the way so like it it feels like you're playing playing twister like it's like a very acrobatic approach to try to reach over all this stuff without making a whole bunch of sound and we're hand like handing off the rifle and the camera and all this other stuff yeah we're just like trying to sneak together but we had good wind cover like the wind was high enough that we would wait for big gusts of wind and then we would we'd you know grab a couple yards and gain a couple gain, gain a nice little chunk and we we could tell you a lot about this, but to wrap that up, like we we eventually get probably thirty yards, probably thirty yards from this bull, and he had could no clue we were there. Yeah, got some awesome footage and just a giant, like I just mean, a, a giant seven by seven, just a trophy, trophy animal, and it was really cool. I mean, we were just messing around with him. I mean, you know what I mean? He he would at the end there, he kind of like would look up, 
he, you know, he kind of knew something was up because we we were kind of pinned at a at a point yeah. where we were out in the open and we had a little bit of cover behind us. But it was super awesome to see such a mature animal and the fact that we snuck up on him and had that. You know, we we obviously weren't going to shoot him. We didn't have a tag. Yeah, we were both wishing we had an elk tag, but we um, both put the rifle up to our shoulder and like looked at him in the crosshairs and, and just like wow, that could that could happen if we wanted it. That was cool. Yeah, someday, but. So we kept walking, um, same afternoon, day one, it's breezy, we're walking in the wind. We bumped a bunch of elk out, and to basically sum it up, weren't seeing a lot of mule deer sign at all. Um, we bunched a bunch of elk, just a bunch of elk, um, real elky country, and we both decided after that first evening um, in that area that we needed to do something a little bit lower. We needed to get yeah. a little bit lower. This is This is... This is out country. We weren't seeing any uh, scat or trails or any type of Nothing. deer sign. So we jump in the truck. We were going to leave that that part of the unit. Yeah, we were, we were done. We were out. It was too high in our opinion. We we did we did a really good probably four mile walk, and we just didn't see any type of deer sign at all. Nothing fresh at all. No no, no tracks in the snow. We, we were like, let's get out of here. We got to go to somewhere else. So we're driving out in the truck, and we get to real close to one of the main roads and probably it was what five o'clock five thirty is right about then yeah right about at five five thirty and i was like mm. our our motto has always like devin kept saying to me he's like if you ever get, like question yourself and say hey should, should we glass that hillside Cla- glass always and so we're pulling out and there's just this beautiful aspen hillside yeah and what we later learned in the week which we'll touch on is that's a good habitat. That, 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 yeah, the aspens are few and far between right now. I don't, I don't really understand why, but um, there's been a lot of aspen loss in Wyoming, a ton. And um, you know, we all week we were like, man, we need to try to focus on overlooked areas, overlooked areas, overlooked areas. And we're pulling out of this unit, and there's just this big aspen hillside, and it, like you, like you said, it wasn't far from the road at all. We're like, yeah, I mean, let's glass it, but. There's not gonna be any deer in there. I whipped it over real quick. I was like, "That we're gonna glass that." Through yeah, threw his glass up, threw the glass up, and what'd you see? Like right away, two mule deer bucks. Both uh, shooters for what our tags are good for. Our tag was good for. Our, our tag had to have um, three points or more on one side. And they were, I don't know if they were four by fours, but they were really mature deer for for the area. Yeah. And so. I mean, and we're talking about right by the trail. Like, yeah, there's pu- there's like a, pu- a, a private farm, cattle ranch down and, below. And I mean, we had trucks passing us as we're glassing these deer. Yeah, he, that that's the thing that I was gonna say is every other hunter in this unit drove right like by. Go, goes right by this hill and goes way in farther into the unit and, and around, and it kind of circles around. So like, there was a bunch of other people hunting in this area, but everybody drive it's. It's like one of the first hillsides you would drive by. So nobody, I, th- I think it was an overlooked area. I think everybody drives right by it with the antenna going in deeper than everybody else, right? And to give you like the real-time moment, I'm like, like I could like put my glass up to my eyes right now. And I was like, Devin, mule deer buck. I got a mule deer buck right now. And from that second, we put together a plan. I mean, the wind was the same wind that we were just talking about. It's the same evening with the elk. So it's a good 15-mile-an-hour wind. And these deer are just kind of slightly feeding, if you're looking at a hillside, just kind of like to the northeast, just from the bottom, kind of going up the face, kind of up towards the top, and just feeding their way up real slow. 
you know, not not looking pressured at all. Yep. So we, cl- I mean, within a matter of minutes, I mean, two minutes, we put together a plan. I took my, I took Devin's phone and I took um, two or three pictures of the hillside so that we knew what it would look like when we got over there. Over there. And we were going to basically pull way around, pull the truck, basically turn the truck around, go back into the unit a little further, get on the ridge. And run that ridge top around. And basically use the backside of that ridge to hide our bodies and, you know, prevent from, um, you know, basically showing our outline on the top of the hill crest. Yeah, we didn't want to silhouette ourselves. And we basically used the, the spine of that ridge to hide us on the backside. And within a matter, of, I mean, it was a matter of 15 minutes. We were we were we, we were. made a plan, and we were in the zone within 15 minutes. We were, and we were sprinting. I mean, within reason. I mean, we had <clears throat> we had excellent wind cover. Like I said, it was at least 15 mile an hour winds. So there was really good like wind cover from a sound perspective. We got on the backside of that ridge and we hauled it. And um, so t- t- tell me though, go ahead. I'm sorry. The other thing I want to say is if. Once you get over there, if we're on the top of that ridge and they're down below you, the wind was coming right up in our face. It was perfect. It could. It was. It was textbook. What What were you thinking though? Like, talk to me. Talk to me about your thoughts. Right as we're going over. Um, I felt like I I I I wanted to stop at a couple points because I felt like we were pushing in really really quickly. Yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't um, identify as well as I wanted to where we were on the hill in relation to the picture we took. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we glanced at it, and then we kept going. We glanced at it, and we cl- kept going. But, like, there was a couple – I think before I before we knew it, I was like, they have to be right below us. Yeah. Like, we're, we're already on top of them. There is no, like, man, we're getting close. Like, they're they're going to be right there if they're still there. My my thought process was, like, I was worried that they were – when we saw them, they were a third of the way up the, up the face. Face, yeah. And I was worried that – at the speed that they were going, they were going to crest this hill, and we were going to have a really tough, like go of it, go of it, basically. And so I wanted to get in there. Like we were running, we were running, and I, that was my thought process. We got to get in there before they they get to the the, the spine the of this ridge, so that we can set up. And uh, we we took this picture. It's super key that we did that. Like we were able to look at certain dead sp- um, trees, you know, like certain aspen trees, and really make sure that we were in the right location. And once we found that, you know, position, kind of crest over the top of the hill, and we just start glassing. Well, we crested it and dropped down a little bit very quickly. Like, we crested it. We tried to crest it where there were trees immediately on the other side. So as we crested it, we could drop down kind of into their cover yep. because we didn't want to be seen at the top. Um, sorry to cut you off. No, no, that's right. Yeah, so we, we dropped down, and then that's, that's kind of when we stopped behind this big log. And we really started to study that picture, like, for lengthy amount of time. Like, okay, is this tree right here the tree that we saw? Like, like we were just trying to map it out and go, okay, we, then we must be right here. And the deer were there, which means they've, they've got to be right right down there. Yeah, we were, like, in the zone. And it was steeper than I thought it would be um, from the other side. So, like, I couldn't see down below us as well as I wanted to. Yeah. But you don't you don't want to make big movements at the risk of blowing them out of there right so we were just trying to be patient and you really don't want to we do were that. making really slow movements <laughs> and um just trying to trying to find them let's see I mean, we did at this point we didn't know if we blew them out of there if they were still in there feeding up towards us or what so Devin and i standing real slow movements like we're crouching down and like slowly standing 
slowly bringing the glass to our eyes and just scanning mm. for probably five minutes. And um, I'm glassing, and there's there's a tree that's gone sideways. It's fallen down. And all of a sudden, at the same exact time, I see two sets of antlers from about the forehead up. I see both these bucks at about 50 yards. And I'm like, Devin, don't move, don't move, don't move, don't move, don't move, like right in front of us. Like that's right the first there, time right that now. we saw them, 50 yards, right there, right now, don't move. The deer put their head back down to kind of keep feeding. And I, I, go, I go down to my knee. And I'm like, they're right, they're right there. The deer are right there. And we're, they're basically coming right at us. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't tell at that point like, these deer were far enough out, and the wind cover was good enough. I didn't know. We had a big, big down tree in front of us, too, right to my right side, kind of right in my center to right side. And my immediate thought process was after I got down, I got my scope cover off, like I got dialed. I was like, I want to put my eyes on these deer one more time and see exactly where they're going to be feeding through. So I slowly stand up. And I put my glass really slow to my face, and I'm not even fully standing. I'm just kind of like hunched and just just barely cresting that dead tree that I was referencing, and I couldn't see these deer at all. I couldn't see them, and I was kind of slowly moving a little bit, kind of just kind of get a different angle on where my head was compared to the log, and the next thing you know, all I hear is running away. And I can't remember what I said, but I just grabbed the rifle. You didn't say anything. I just grabbed the rifle and took off. I mean, these deer were just taken off down mountain. And there's a very key reason why you did that. We listened to some content on the way out that said more times than not, and these guys were experienced mule deer hunters. They said more times than not, if you spook a mule deer and it doesn't really know what spooked it, it's going to put some distance between it and whatever spooked it, and then nine times out of ten, it's going to stop and turn back. Like, mule deer are very, very curious. So they're going to stop, and they're going to turn back and try to figure out what it was. They're going to give you that pause. They're going to give you that pause. A lot of other like uh, species, creatures, critters, whatever you want to call it, wouldn't necessarily do that. I guess mule deer are notorious for being very curious. Yeah. And, and so I think as soon as you knew they were running away, your instinct said, uh, I'm still going to get my shot. They're going to put a little distance in between us. They were at 50. So even if they even if they run out a little ways, they're still going to be in range. I was I was at that, like, when we were running over at these deer at the very beginning, I was 100% certain we were going to kill these deer. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, it's a done deal, man. We got good wind cover, and we know exactly where they are. It's done. Yeah. And as soon as as soon as soon I saw those deer running away, I saw their butts, I grabbed the rifle. I, don't, I think I just threw my binoculars and just started sprinting down the mountain, mm-hmm. trying to get around this dead brush so I could get a, a shot off. And I'm just sprinting, 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 and I'm like... You knee-slid into this log and just propped straight up. And I, I'm like I'm like on the deer. They're, they're running, they're running, they're running. And they weren't running straight away. They ran down, and then they looped way back to the right, and they were coming up the mountain again over to our right. Yeah. And we could see that happening. So you knee-slid into like that, that log and kind of set up over to the right to see them coming right back up towards us. And I, the deer that I was looking at was the second one, and Devin goes, right, 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 right. And I looked to the right, and the, that first one was at his paws. Yeah. And so I turned to the right one and right, like, you know, like, crosshairs come around it, run on it, and starts, it starts running again. Yeah. And so I go back to the second one, and the second one, 
it stopped already and it paused. And again, I was I was I was kind of guiding guiding along, guiding along, and I saw where the first one was kind of running and and hopping to, and I had a I had a good clearing picked out. This is probably 150 yards. I had a good clearing picked out, and I fired at that second deer as it was running through this gap. I could tell I missed. I didn't hit it. It, it ran, kept going again, and then uh, this I, I actually ended up firing again at the first deer. Had another clearing. I probably, I, I mean, looking back now, that was just like a unnecessary shot. Great. The first one was definitely my my best Good opportunity, chance. but. Yeah. So, needless to say, um, you were beating yourself up a little bit, trying to figure out what you did wrong, why you stood up, all these things. But I think more than anything, we were like, we quickly went from, dang, that sucks, to, man, we just had an opportunity on the evening of day one. At least that, that was my mentality. I, I kept trying to steer the, the conversation that way. <laughs> I was pretty pissed. You, you, were, you, were, you were pretty pissed at yourself. Like, I, I, I kept saying, like, why did I stand up? Because in all, in all reality, we probably could have just sat down and a deer would have fed right in front of us. They, the direction they were, that looking back, we should have, and that's what they would have done. They would have fed right underneath us, and we would have had our shot. And it, something, something didn't sit right with me when I first saw them that, like, I just wanted to put my eyes on them one more time to get an idea of where their bodies were angled. Yeah. And I had good cover. I knew exactly where the log they were behind, and I thought I could just barely. And I never even saw them the second time I stood up. And I, I don't know if they caught my wind or if there was a swirl. or I, I never even saw them. The, the next time that I heard, I just heard running, and I looked, and they were running off. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was just trying to to say, okay, we came into a brand new unit, brand new area, brand new state, hunting a brand new critter that we've never hunted before. So I was encouraged by the fact that we had an opportunity on yeah. day, day one. one. Day one. Onyx is the number one GPS hunting app on the market. If you don't have Onyx, I would highly consider trying a free trial where you can get access to all 50 states and all of the mapping features and tools. Onyx allows you to send waypoints to your buddies, see public and private boundary lines, and see where you stand in live time. And also has a new weather feature that allows you to track weather and wind so you can stay on top of your game, literally. It's a no-brainer. If you go on your computer, not your mobile device, to onyxmaps.com and use the promo code PAINTEDARROW, you will receive 20% off your elite or premium subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. There's nothing I like doing more than hunting elk in the western states. One of the main challenges of hunting big game species in western states is actually getting a tag. Furthermore, it's actually understanding each state's drawing systems, which can seem like a chore to figure out for beginners. Go Hunt is a company that has figured out how to simplify this obstacle for basic folk like you and me. GoHunt offers a subscription service called The Insider, which gives you access to the most accurate draw odds, species breakdowns, and strategy articles out there. Before I started using GoHunt, I would spend hours filing through kill harvest reports and data sheets looking for a good unit to hunt in. And using The Insider has streamlined this process, making it easier and more efficient than ever before. This has allowed me to find a place to go hunt, hence the name. Visit GoHunt.com to find out more and to start a free trial with the Insider subscription service. 
Shupex Sporting Goods in Jackson, Michigan has been in the business of selling outdoor equipment for over 30 years. They have over 1,000 new and used guns and over 500 new bows for you to choose from. This family-owned and operated company goes above and beyond to make sure that you are taken care of when it comes to buying gear. Use the promo code PAINTEDARROW5 at the checkout and receive 5% off your entire purchase. Yes, that does include guns and bows, folks. Go down to Shupex today. That optimism, I guess, was quickly followed up with, like, why in the world were there two bucks on this hillside, 530, broad daylight, right next to the road, nobody else sees them? Like, all those things are going through my head. And I think the other thing is, like we told you, it was opening day, and the whole day up until 530 that evening, we had not heard a gunshot. We were the first gunshot I heard all day. So we had our, we had our, I had a GSL suppressor, who's our sponsor. You should check them out. GSL Technology, out of Jackson, Michigan. We had that suppressor on there, and with the wind and everything, I don't even know if anybody could hear. Yeah. I don't know if anybody could hear those shots. Yeah, that's a good point. But I just, I, I think those deer, um, with it being opening day, hadn't felt the pressure or anything yet. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to fast forward too much through it, but I guess the nitty gritty of it is the days following were n- were followed by. Uh, little did we know. Little did we know, but the days following were were followed by basically zero mule deer encounters. I mean, we packed the miles on. We tried high terrain we tried low terrain we tried uh drainages and rivers and creeks like we we threw the kitchen sink at it and we put on miles like our thought was all these guys are driving around and just seeing what they can shoot from the road yep. if we just if we just get up over that first layer even just bump them right just this is just walk let's cover miles we'll creep around and glass creep that was our that was our tactic is we're going to slow hunt through really specifically um key bedding and stuff key, key areas that we had designated that we wanted to check out we played the wind and we'd walk these areas and we'd glass them in the morning we'd always get up before light we'd glass these areas in the morning first first thing and we'd make a walk a walk about about it and we do we'd do that we'd hunt that area and little did we know that would be our our only buck sighting of the trip of the entire trip and um we there, there's i mean there's a lot that happened on day two and three mm-hmm. um, that we're going to talk about right now. but And four. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely four. But two and three, um, let's just keep the key highlights of those. We, we Again, our tactic was very similar. We went to different areas, um, and, and we did that same type of approach where we'd find a glassing tip, we'd get there early evening, we'd get there – much in time for the the evening yep and um glass those areas and we do walkabouts what were some of the key things that we uh, saw on days two and three um they, they kind of blur together to tell you the truth but one of the cool things from was this day two or three it's two two um the morning of day two i think it was day three might have um, been three 
I don't remember. Either the morning of day two or day three. Uh, I can't quite remember. But we we did a similar uh, – it was three. But um, like Nate said, we, we, we picked an, an area and we we got up at first light. There was basically two approaches. One, get to the tip by first light and get your eyes on the hillside or – be ready to start slow hunting right before first light. Getting to that tip. And getting yeah. to that tip. So this particular morning we got up. It was just barely breaking daybreak and, you know, breaking first light. And we were just kind of creeping through this brand new area. And this this was at a little bit higher elevation. But this. We were way back in. We were way, way back, back, way back in, like way off the road. And as much as it was at high elevation, it was the. The terrain had really deep cuts and like gulch, like really deep canyons. canyons and like yeah, cuts through the mountains and stuff. And we were creeping up through this stuff, and like right at first light, I see this flash down right below us, and I, I throw my glass up on it, and all I can see at first is a butt, and there's cattle everywhere up in the mountains, especially on BLM, because these ranchers have you know have the ability to just let their their cattle free range out there or free roam or whatever. And so I think it's a cow, and then I, I realize it's a really good bull moose. 50 yards. 50 yards away. Could have killed him 100 times. Big, big, big bull moose. And Devin grabs his camera. He he, he glassed him up. He spotted him. And then and I'm like, get the camera. Get some, fil- get some film on him. Yeah. So he pulls out the camera, and this bull starts walking, and I, hmm. And yeah. he turns and looks, and we got some really cool footage of this bull moose. Yeah. I don't know what they call it, but if you're listening, you know, we could probably Google it. But it's more fun this way. Like the, the, like on, on turkeys, they have the snood, right? And they have a beard. On a bull moose, they have like. That big thing that hangs right under there. It's like a big ball. Yeah. It's probably called a beard, but if you know what that is, write in and tell us. But real mature bull. I yeah. mean, you could see his, his balls hanging. You could see his. He had a good good rack. He had a good rack for the area, like beautiful bull. Yeah. Beautiful bull. And that was pretty. That I mean, was I an think awesome it, encounter. It, we, we, we knew that we were in the territory where, like, where moose were going to be, but I don't think either of us expected to see any. No, and again, like we're putting on the miles. And, and we keep saying like to ourselves, we're like, okay, we are, we are finding elk. We're finding moose. We're finding antelope. Like. This is not for a lack of effort. Like, we have covered a ton of ground, and we cannot find any deer. Yeah. And we had, um, I don't know. We we had we had uh, one of our first encounters. I don't even know if I want to mention this, but one of our first encounters with one of the locals, uh, he was asking us where we were from, and we were telling him, and he's like, well, what are you guys doing here? And we're like, oh, we're, we're here to do some deer hunting. He goes, around here? And we're like, Yeah. This, this was a law enforcement. Yeah, and he goes, well, good luck. There's no deer around here. And we're, Only on private. We kind of looked at him. We're, well, he did, yeah, we, we looked at him. We're like, well, we saw a whole bunch of deer on the drive-in. He goes, yeah, they're all on private. He's like, there's no deer on public out here. Good luck. And he you know, he just, just, it just put a very bad taste in our mouth, right? Like, Here's my goal to prove this dude wrong. Yeah, and it killed my vibe a little. It didn't kill my vibe. I was that much more driven to like right, and this, then this guy that we didn't even know wrong. I just wanted to like prove that this guy did not know what he was talking about. And I guess to take a step back, like he he said that to us before, he said that to us uh, day zero. Yeah. So 
the ev- evening up. evening at day one. We were fueling up at the gas station. We yeah. saw this guy. Yep. And evening at day one, we ended up having an opportunity with those two bucks. So we were kind of like, what does this guy know? You know, yeah. we just we, we just we were just on two mule deer bucks. So, uh, but then like throughout the rest of the week, like Nate was saying, like there's just no sign anywhere. Uh, we can't find mule deer. We can't find them low. We can't find them high. We just cannot find these mule deer. So we saw that that bull moose. Then we go to a nice glassing tip. Really, really beautiful glassing tip. Probably one of my favorites. And um, we saw um, we saw two more moose. Mm-hmm. We saw a cow and a calf, and they were just down below us, maybe 100 yards or so. And we kicked them out. Well, I was breaking some brush trying to get a better view in my glassing tip, but we had really high winds, so I wasn't really really that worried. And um, I broke like one branch, and all of a sudden these these moose were right below us, and they came out, and we ended up seeing them that night as well, um, right down in front of us feeding. We glassed them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful night. We saw lots of trucks and ATVs coming through that area. Huge, huge vantage point. Like we were glassing high, deep, and wide. No mule deer at all. Nothing. Zero. Zero mule deer. We ended up walking down about 30 minutes before, like, dark, dark, because we had about a mile and a half walk to our truck through things that we've never walked through before. So we got out of there, and we forgot our headlamp. So we got walking, and um, we were probably a quarter mile from the truck, and we both walked up on a, a moose kill site that was probably three weeks old. And um, we were talking about bears um, in the first podcast. Like, this is an area where grizzly bear, you know, it's on the you know, very edge of the range. It, it's not, you know, it wouldn't be a totally crazy thing to see a, a grizzly bear in this area, but it's just really not that common at the same time. Yeah. Um, tons of black bear, but, like, it's just something that we've never had to deal with. We were very aware of it, but um, we always talk about, like, I'm very into statis- statistics about grizzly bear uh, fatalities. Yeah. Attacks. And it's something that I've just become very curious about. And to, to, to really boil it down, most, most always, if there is some type of a grizzly bear attack um, or black bear, for that matter, most times there's one of three things happening. A, you startle the bear. Yeah. B, you walk up and startle a bear with cubs bad news right there mm-hmm. or c you walk up on a kill site yep and this bear's bedded somewhere nearby and gets a whiff of you and thinks that you're trying to take its territory its kill whatever this carcass is that he is deemed his he or she and so we we walked up on this like i saw a big shoulder blade kind of like in our path as we're walking down and i remember thinking like that's a moose shoulder blade. Like 100%, that is a moose shoulder blade. And um, I pick it up, and I look at Devin. I'm like, this is this is definitely a moose. And we both look to the left, and there's the whole moose. The whole moose right there. And it was like, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I've seen a lot of game. I've seen a lot of different things in the field. And this, this was a cow moose, 100%. It was a very good, mature <laughs> cow moose just by the length of its spine and this was probably a three week old site and there was still fur there was still like the tongue was in the in the the skull and 
it was pretty clean on the on the spine for sure but mm -hmm. like something was probably still around the area just checking it out but like for the most part it was done i didn't feel that we were in any danger but it's like i remember getting back down to the truck that night and you and i like i, I said to you like that had been a week and a half earlier and we walked in there it could have been bad it could it could have been a bad situation you know like yeah i mean we're in we're in the backwoods of way wyoming in, way I back mean, there's i mean that's just something you want to keep in mind like it's not like we walked up on it on purpose obviously we're just going through the timber and taking natural terrain trails and game trails to kind of get down to the to the drain to get to our truck but just something interesting to add into the story you know like mm -hmm. um just be aware of those things pretty cool though got some cool pictures of it um very moosey area that's what i got from that day very mm -hmm. very moosey area no mule deer um i think let's skip to day four yeah so we knew on day five that it was going to be a storm a weather winter weather advisory um these are all back roads that we're traveling like Lots of, like, you, you, Two need, tracks. you need to have chains or four-wheel drive at the minimum if there's any type of snow. And when it gets, like, wet, like, it's a mudslide, and you, you don't want to be in there at all on anything. So we knew that we were kind of in a pinch to really get it done on day four. And uh, that morning, we woke up and we didn't really have a plan but we we drove into the foothills of the area that we'd hunted the day before and we had uh it was it was pretty cool because we were getting better as the trip went on about picking an area making a plan based on the topo maps and getting in and getting situated and we executed a great first morning or i'm sorry a great fourth morning um glassing tip just off the cuff and it was really nice we got in got in plenty before light and it was just like the you could just start to look through the glass as we sat down and got our stuff out and um beautiful rolling terrain rocky cliff edges good sage chunks some timber some aspen big creek to the bottom creek oh yeah great water source we were we were like we specifically picked it out for this water source and we had a great glassing session for the mm -hmm. first 45, 50 minutes of light, maybe even a little more. And what did we see, Dev? Whole herd of elk. Whole herd of elk. No, no mule deer. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful country. I mean, just just stuff that makes your jaw drop. Yeah. Just Astonishing. Just beautiful. And we had the wind blocking us from this rock. I mean, it was just a perfect morning of glassing. Like, I just I love that. It was beautiful. Yep, it was perfect minus the no mule deer. But yeah, we saw an entire herd of elk, and they fed. They were down feeding in this little, I guess, little valley or prairie right below us. And then they kind of worked their way back up this cliff into some big aspen chunk on the other side, and went, went to bed up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, didn't find any mule deer, and then we we had glassed up part of that glassing session that morning we were like you know studying the map and trying to find out what all is private what all is public and that's a key to this whole experience <laughs> was right off the cuff we we knew day one that something about the edges of private these deer just really like yeah so that was kind of our tactic that morning or that yeah that morning 
so then we, you know, we were glassing up all these other potential glassing tips. And we were like, okay, well, if we get to that point over there, then we can look down right on the boundary of private on the other side there. Um, we can look at the whole backside. So basically we, we identified these glassing tips from glassing, and then we ended up putting in five miles for lunch. Easily. That day. Um, just spending 30 to 40 minutes glassing, maybe a little longer, and then moving to the next spot and doing the same thing. And turned up a whole bunch of antelope and a whole bunch of elk that morning, but not a no single mule deer. And then we get back to the truck right about lunchtime, and then we, we on the other side of this chunk, <laughs> there was another water source with a really gnarly bottom. Yeah. And we were, we were like, well, before we grab a bite to eat, uh, we put a quick game plan together, and <clears throat> Nate's like, why don't you sneak up there to that shooter's perch, sniper's perch up there, and I'll go raise hell and walk through that bottom and see if we can't knock something out of there, and maybe their escape route will be kind of out the backside of that bottom, and they'll come right up right up the face towards you. Good old-fashioned deer drive. Good old-fashioned Midwestern deer drive. <laughs> and, Felt uh, right at home down there. I mean, wow, that was a long bottom, and you were not – I mean, you weren't being quiet. Yeah, I was like raising. You were trying there. to get them to come out of there, and not, no living creature came out of that bottom. And it, ooh, it had to have been not even a bird. Had to have been like a half mile long or longer, right? Oh, it was easily a mile. Mile long, easily. I was, I was in. I fell down into thick muck up to my ankles like twice. Yeah. I was in there. I mean, the stuff was taller than my head, and just, I mean, I was raising all sorts of ruckus in there just trying to push something out, just just to see life. I mean, we needed to see deer at this point. You and I were both like. We had been, I mean, we're talking about three full days of hard hunting, not not get up and hunt in the morning and then mess around all day and then hunt in the evening. Like three full days of hard hunting and turning up zero deer. Yeah, except for that first morning there, or first evening. First evening, yeah. But, I mean, all of the hours that that you that go by removed from that moment moment and we just can't find another deer that's when we're starting to say okay that had to have been a fluke those two deer you said it very you said it that that day i think that night after we missed those bucks you said something along the lines of like they they put it on a platter for us like that that was not like that was not supposed to happen no they they were bedded on a cattle ranch down below the back they had to have been bedded down on the cattle ranch below on the back part of the property. They got up a little early for whatever reason. Maybe it was a wind switch. Maybe they got hungry early. I don't know. They got on their feet early and they just barely crossed the boundary into private. Worked their way up on this hillside, and we just happened to be leaving the unit at that perfect point. You happen to throw your glass up. Happen to see two shooter bucks on the hillside, evening of the opening day. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of other people have hunted this section. <laughs> like, trucks are going by as we're looking All at the them. All the time. It's incredible. Like, like, a truck would come, we'd, like, throw our glass down, like, oh, we're not doing nothing. Yeah, we we truly did. Truly. Um, oh, gosh. So, anyway, like, when lunchtime during day four after that pivotal deer drive, I think we both got back to the truck, and we were just like, what do we do? <laughs> like, we have exhausted. We've gone high. We've gone middle. We've gone low. We've We've... I mean, we have put the miles on like the our day, feet. The day that we saw those moose on day three and they were glassing, we glassed from about 10 a.m. till dark. Yeah. We didn't see nothing. I mean, we were looking miles and miles and miles and acres and acres and acres of country. Yeah. 
nothing. No mule deer. Not even a sniff. So then, and, and, and like in the back of my head that whole time is that law enforcement officer that just holding his belt loops that kept going, good luck, there's no mule deer out here on public. And then I'm like, God, we had, like we had them on day one that, and then the, the more that all these little data points kept like chiming off in my head, I'm like, that, that had to have been the world's like best fluke. Like the, our, that was our opportunity right there. Cause I think those deer know they're safe down on private. They messed up. They hadn't been shot at yet because it was opening day. They skipped over to private. They got shot at. It's like somebody gave them the damn script. Yep. Like, here's 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 where you're safe. Yep. And so... We go downtown is what we ended up doing to get some fuel is what we did. That Yeah. We went downtown and we're like... But again, I think mentally we're both just like, I, I don't know what else to do. Like, yeah, we, we are trying a, as we hard as... We put a Michigan deer drive on them and they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, not just that, but like... No, I, know. I mean, we are... We're putting a lot of miles on every day, trying every different tactic we can think of, covering lots of different ground, reading sign, the sign that's there, and we just we cannot find them. And then, uh, yeah, do, we do went. we mention though that like like we're driving almost hours to these different locations? Like we're we're, tra- we're like every evening we're like we're trying to put ourselves in the best position. So we're not just like in the same ten by ten square mile area. Like oh yeah, no. We're like we're like covering a ten by ten mile area, not ten by ten, but like we're covering that in a in a session. Yep, and like then moving to a new block. Forcing, forcing the we have a limited amount of time to get this done, and we're like we're traveling all over different types of country, different units, different different. Yeah. Trying creek bottoms, trying deer drives, <laughs> I mean, trying mountains. Yeah, I mean we're. We tried very different types of terrain, big different chunks, dissect them on your feet. Okay, that doesn't work. Move to a new chunk, dissect it, get all over on your feet. And we were not turning up deer. And I I guess what I'm saying is, like, I just remember that lunch on that chunk of BLM BLM after that deer drive, and we were both just, like, I think we were both very defeated at that point. Like, like what else can we do? And um, you're like, let's just, let's go in town and get some more fuel and, Look at the map and figure out what we're going to do tonight because we know we know this big storm's coming the next day. So we basically got an evening hunt that we really want to just, you know, like we, we want to pick. We want to be in the perfect location because if it's going to happen, we would really like it to happen tonight because there's the, the weather radar is saying 8 to 12 inches of snow coming in. Spitting rain and like Spitting 10 rain, mile, three, ten, yeah, really 15 cold. mile an hour winds, cold, cold. So And we're, you know, we're camping, guys. So we're just, um, we're like, okay. We we need to regroup here. We go into town. Yeah, and the, uh, just to add on to the whole situation of camping. Like uh, an issue that we were having is we have wet feet all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. It's just when you get a big in big in storm coming out, it, you, you you don't you don't have unlimited gear, and we have obviously have rain gear and things like that. But like once you get wet and it's cold and it's, it's windy, it's really that. hard to recover. So it's like we kind of knew that our clock was ticking yeah so we went up into town and uh this is like middle middle of the day yeah and i can't quite remember just start looking at onyx we just started looking at onyx and figured out like okay what's close to town here that overlooked we haven't overlooked yeah i think that's where we where we started was like okay maybe we just let's focus on somewhere that actually is close to town 
because that's where we're seeing all the deer. Because all the deer are living in town on private. Because all these chunks we've been going to are, are pretty far from town in different directions. And like that officer told us, he's like, there's no deer on public. You know, we're, at this point, we're kind of halfway starting to believe him. We're like, well, maybe we'll find like some little sliver of state land or some little just some little pocket that like legally you can hunt that is closer to town. And we we did find that. We found it. <laughs> we did. We we found that area, and you know I've I've heard people on other podcasts say like, well, why would you give away your secret? You know, well, to be honest with you, I don't know if I'm gonna be going back to where we're going in, in Wyoming. Yeah. Um, I, I probably do some mule deer hunting in other other places, but this is an, a tactic and, and mindset that you should have for all species, not just for mule deer, yeah. but just being aware of what's happening now and not getting caught up in what you want to see or what you should think you see or think you should see, mm-hmm. but really just looking at the facts and making a decision. Yeah. And so we we made this decision like we're going to push into this area that's close to town that probably doesn't get hunted. You got to cross a river to get to it. I mean, we're talking about there's a pretty good chunk of state land that 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 goes out away. It's it's out kind of in back of town. Is how I would describe it. But to access it, you've got a very very narrow easement, and there's no path like, and it isn't a creek that's separating you from that thing either. It's a full blown river. Yeah. Like there's a river that is the boundary of that state land. So as I understand it, if anybody's out there, they're probably taking a kayak across that river or, you know, they're, they're doing something to get across there. And we're sitting here thinking, okay, all of the hunters we've seen this weekend are driving around on the easy to access roads, looking for something to shoot. I have a tough time believing any of those guys are going to get out of their truck, put on waders and a backpack or whatever and cross this river, hike this cliff face, and pop up over over onto this secluded piece of state land, which is perfectly legal to hunt. And we were like, you know what? We're going to do it. And the other thing that I think clicked for me, and and this might not have clicked until we got into the state land, but I was like, oh, my God. There's not going to be any ATVs. Yeah. Because we saw this sign right as we walked in. It said hunting was allowed. Hunters are responsible for understanding their boundaries, make sure you're not shooting too close to houses, all that stuff, right? But it said, hunting is allowed, no motorized vehicles. And it was like, bing. It was like a light bulb moment for me. I was like, okay, this is an overlooked area, very tough to get to because of the river. This is where we're supposed to be. And there's no motorized vehicles. Yeah. I'm like, we're going to get in here and see some deer. You and I were jacked. We were fired up. We were, we, we, especially after crossing the river, which was an epic event in itself, we're like, when we come back through that river, we're coming back with a mule deer on our back. Yeah. They're like, the, the, the difficulty of crossing this river in daylight, we, we knew full well that if we were, like, we were coming back with a deer or without a deer, we were just going to stomp right through the river. Yeah. We, we would have hurt ourselves. Yeah, because to get over it, what we did is we got a big stick we could hold on to. Yeah. Well, actually, you used your gun. But we, we hopscotched from rock to rock. And in certain cases, the rock that you hopscotched to was underwater. But it's pretty dangerous. More really. or less, we didn't get that wet. But we, but yeah. we knew, like coming back, like mule deer or not, we're just we're walking right through that thing. Because if we tried to hopscotch, we'd, we'd hurt ourselves. We would have went down. Yeah. But that was pretty fun. That was pretty fun. Actually, that was an awesome hunt. 
So we get in there and just to, we, we struggled with the idea of where to set up because the boundaries were real tight, the real, real tight. At the front, of, at the front they were. In, in terms of like the public, private, like where you can and can't shoot, like the area that we were really focusing on, it was, you know, water area. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be close to water. So we ended up setting up into this. Um, Drainage. What type of tree was that? It was like, it was like a pine Some tree. Some sort of conifer, yeah. Yeah. We, we tuck it right up under it, and we glassed up. 30 deer. 30, maybe more, mule deer. But guess what? Not one single one was a legal buck. buck. We, the only antlers we saw were two young yearlings with forkies coming out, mm-hmm. still milking on their mother. Um, but all doe, just right about 520, deer just start appearing everywhere. And I mean everywhere. And it was, it was, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was just heaven. I mean, we were just, we were actually looking through our binoculars for probably three hours straight, like with no break, just like an yeah, awe of we were all just the deer. staring at deer. It was incredible. It was incredible. Like, to experience the, like, you you foresee the hunt going a certain way, and then when that moment comes, even though there's no shooters out there, like, all of a sudden you start, feel like you're in, in the, the game, game. Yeah. and deer, you're just pulling out deer, and, like, once you see one, the second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way up to 30, they come a lot easier because, I mean, they're betting in such unique like cuts in the in the mountain face like you just wouldn't even it's so so cool to find these deer for the first time and just pick apart the face of the mountain and you can just start to you grab them easily more easily as they come you know the other thing that was really interesting to me that i think we can learn from uh and probably a lot of people can is i would say we've all more times than not or not more times than not, but we've all once in, once or twice in your life had a hunt ruined by something or somebody, right? So we had been sitting in there for a long time, and we hadn't seen a deer yet. And this guy and a dog and his wife come hiking right through the bottom that we were set up over. Like, like right through the bottom. Like we specifically dissected this hill face and everything, and we're like, we're going to set up right here because we think a deer is going to come out of that bottom and come up right up this crack here, and those folks – basically ran the script that we had they just did they walked the trail right along the bottom and came right up the the little saddle cut right between them and we're like oh well that's there's the hunt there's the hunt right there and i'm telling you what i it either it either woke the deer up and and kind of made him alert because they heard her talking but i think also um these deer like we said we're living close to town we're on a chunk of state land really close to town i think they're probably just more used to uh human behavior yeah because the other thing we didn't mention is on our hike into there we bumped a doe at 10 yards yeah right on our and she she jumped up and kind of walked out and just kind of turned and looked and we were like that's it you're not gonna run away and she literally just went back to eat just started feeding while we were walking up the mountain away from her yeah like whenever we would stand still and look at her She'd she would be alert. Yeah. And then we just kept walking, and she put her head down and yep. kept eating. As soon as we didn't, like, we acted like we didn't see her, she just went back to eating. So I think these deer are probably a little bit more tolerant of uh, human interaction because of their proximity to town. But, I mean, it wasn't 
20, 30 minutes after that guy and his wife and their dog walked through the bottom, and we were just finding deer everywhere. I mean, the face came alive. Yeah. The face of the mountain just came alive, and it was it was epic. It was it was everything. I mean, it almost – if we'd had another day, that ended up being the hunt because it was just spitting rain, and it was really windy and really cold, and we ended up – we have uh, this desire to come home and hunt whitetail on our own. Yeah, <laughs> on our own farms. So we still have the end of the week off, so we, we cut the, the hunt short basically one day. Um, but I'm certain that if we'd had known about this area, like it really hurt driving away today. I mean, bad. I don't think either that it's just knowing about this area. Like I think the, the struggles we had all week are the reason we picked that area. Like when we got in there, I'm like, okay. Like we knew, we knew we were gonna see deer. Like think about how fire we were up, fired up we were going in there. We're like, it's close to town. Deer are all living on private, close to town. It's really, really, really hard to get to because you got to cross a river, and we did it. Even once you cross the river, the terrain to get up into the area to hunt ain't real easy either. And there's no motorized vehicles available, you know, to be used on this chunk of land. So I was like, we're in them. We're gonna see them tonight. And we did. There were just no shooter bucks. Nothing. All does. All does and a couple little young bucks, like you said. As we close out this year' podcast, uh, on our way out, we interacted with a couple of local hunters in that area. And um, we basically met them on the trail walking out. And I immediately asked. I was like, you know, we did the obvious, like, hey, what would you see? You know, any, anything good kind of thing. Introduced ourselves, whatever. And I immediately asked. Like, are you guys local? And do you know anything about, like, the buck-to-doe ratio or what's going on with a deer herd here? And what do you say, Deb? Uh, to not mince words, he basically said the the mule deer hunting here in Wyoming has been shit for the last couple of years. And it's, it's going down. It's, go, it's on a sharp decline. And we're like, well, that makes sense. Huh. <laughs> and we were, but we had all these questions immediately. We're like, well, why? Like, is it is it winter kill? Like, he goes, it is a number of things. He said, we've had a bunch of habitat loss for different reasons. He said, the number of aspens and that these deer like to, to bed in and be around, that those, I don't understand it entirely, but basically that they're missing a lot of aspens. Um, he said, uh, feed and, and browse is, is really down. Um, CWD has been a big issue. Yep. It's like a number of things, but they they apparently are really stripping back on the um, like the number of licenses available and the quota and all that stuff to try to kind of reestablish that herd. But I guess over the last you know three to four years, it's been on a on a pretty steep decline. Um, and you know you've got residents that are living there that don't don't have the opportunity to kill a deer just because there aren't aren't any around. Yeah. So. You know, I guess after hearing that, it kind of validated a lot of what we were seeing. What's what's really interesting is that these folks were the first people that we saw hunting not in their truck. Yeah, like the first backcountry hunters. The first, I mean, it wasn't even backcountry, but it was like the first people that didn't use the tactic of get your aunt and your uncle and your brother and let's let's all jump in the truck. Yep. That was the, that was super interesting to me. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, that just kind of, I guess it summed a lot of it up for us. We were like, interesting. And I think for me, it was almost more gratifying after hearing that because in a way it sort of validated the struggle we had all week. Yeah. But it also said, okay, here, here's a here's a guy that lives here, hunts here. He's telling me this. And we still put ourselves in a position tonight to see 30 deer. So you've got guys in town, this guy, you know, the, shit, the, the law enforcement officer, all these people telling me there's just no deer around here. And at the end of the day, we had a we had an opportunity at two shooter bucks this week, and our final sit we saw thirty plus mule deer. To me, that like that kind of validates our ability to 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 read all the sign and 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 learn the area and hunt it. Can I give you my closing thoughts and then yeah. you can wrap it up, and we'll close this one out. So, a couple of things. First off. I misspoke. I said I don't. I don't think I'll ever come back to Wyoming and hunt mule deer. That's 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 a lie. I yeah. misspoke there. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to say that, because I'm like really determined to get it done again. Yeah. In that area. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing. Um, just because this this story didn't end in a kill, I think there's lots for listeners to really gain out of this. Um, I mean, we didn't. I mean, you're not gonna. By listening to this, you're not going to go out and kill a deer. But I think that if you are going on a mule deer hunt, and maybe you're a first-timer like we were, we, we've been out in the woods and seen many mule deer before on other types of hunts like elk and, and things like that. But um, this is the first time in that area, and I think you can learn a lot of things by just kind of just keying in on certain things that we said. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to say is my closing thought, and then you can have it, Dev, is – Something that I'm a big, big, big preacher, and I preach it to myself, I think, more than to anything else. But specifically this year with the Holy Spirit, I knew that I was going to get an opportunity. We even talked about it on previous podcasts. I always talk about you're going to get the opportunity, you're going to get one shot, and you really have to be dialed and make it count. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to get an opportunity at some point, and you, ha- you, can- you have to be in the moment and make the shot and be in the moment and make it count. And we had our opportunity. Man. We had it. We had our opportunity to close the deal. And it didn't end up, you know, closing the deal or filling a tag. But I, I'm, you betcha that I learned something about that interaction. You betcha that I might do it a little bit differently next time. I don't know if it's necessarily an error, but I would do something differently next time for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And, man, you we put a perfect stock on in those bucks. We made it happen. We got right on them. They had no idea we were there. Oh, it was, everything was – everything we executed perfectly, and we were it's excellent really haunting in our approach. Me. It's, it's really haunting me, and I'm trying to, like, just give it up, but – I mean, man, again, as my last closing thought, like, you're going to get opportunities and you need to make them count. Execute. I'll just say that. Yeah. I guess what I'll leave it on is, you know, I've done I've done some hunts out here and out west, that is. And, you know, as an out-of-stater, it, 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 it can cost a lot of money to go do these things. And it's really easy to... 
to look at it from like a logical perspective of, okay, I'm spending this money and I need to get my thing in return. Like I need to come home with meat. I need to. And, and for me, that almost like induces a sense of anxiety to, and pressure to be successful. And I think my approach, at least in the latter half of this week, kind of became, you know, what are the intangibles that I can bring home? Because if I, if, if all we ever do is, is basically categorize our hunts as failures or successes based on the number of times you leave the field with a harvest, you know, with an animal, with a critter, with meat, um, you're going to come home disappointed more times than not. Yeah. Because that's hunting. But I really, I re- and it has most, it has probably the most to do with that last hunt, but I really had a lot of things validated that we tried throughout the week. And I just feel like we were able to put ourselves in a position to see deer in a situation that we found out, um, you know, in a lot of ways the odds are kind of stacked against you. And I'm certainly not trying to tap ourselves on the back too much um, because, again, we had an opportunity at Bucks and we didn't seal the deal, and that's, you know, that's hunting. But um, I just I think it's really important to key in on the things that you can take away from these experiences and these hunts that, that make you a better hunter, better hunter for the next hunt versus I got to come home with some meat. Yeah. Um, believe me, I wish we were coming home with a cooler full of meat. I'm not, I don't like eating, eating tag soup. I'm not telling you that, but I just think there's other things to focus on too. So I guess that's my closing thought. Yeah. Enjoy those. I mean, those moments that we had, they're irreplaceable, just amazing views that we had and just being in God's country. It was, it was a treat, man. Yeah. There's memories that we made this week. That just won't be forgotten. I mean, there's things I can't unsee. I mean, there's things that will stick with me forever. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing like kicking it too with with your boy and yeah. just enjoying a little bit of time away. So. Yep. All right, we're gonna wrap it up. We're driving through Nebraska here, just like we did on the way in, just like we said we do, and uh, we appreciate you listening along. Check out our, uh, our website if you guys want to get in touch with us, paintedarrowoutdoors.com. Click contact, and then you can message us, and we get that notification sent to our, our phone. And we'd love to hear your thoughts or questions or anything you might want to let us know. Yeah, and stay tuned. Like, like Nate said, we're headed back to the Midwest and hoping to get it done on some whitetails. So, yeah. Um, I think we'll probably a lot be of big put, things coming. We'll probably be putting together some type of video because we got a lot of cool footage from this. So yeah, yeah, definitely we'll look do out some for sort that of too. Recap. Yep. Alrighty, guys, take it easy. See you.